Hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing this weekend? Come on, y'all can do better than that. Y'all glad to be here today? Hey, it's so good to be here. I'm so, so honored to be able to speak to you guys this morning and just so glad to be here. I'm pumped up and excited. Um, hey, I just want to take a moment and say hello to all of our guests, and we honor you today. We love you. Thank you so much for being with us. And I also just want to take a moment, look in those cameras back there, and say hello to everyone who's with us online, your family. Thank you so much for being with us. Come on, let's give it up for all those online with us this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. So glad to have you. Hey, I just want to let you know that today is step four of the growth track. So maybe you were able to complete steps one through three, and for the last couple months, you just haven't made it to step four. We got that going on today at 11.30. 9.45 is happening now. So at 11.30, if you need to get that done, you can go in there, and I encourage you to do that. And, and Jason mentioned First Wednesday is coming up this Wednesday. That's going to be awesome. I encourage you guys to come out and, and, and be with us in service at First Wednesday. And I also just want to let you know know that this coming Saturday is our first Saturday serve where we get to just love on our community and make a difference through different ways, different projects going to be going on. So can I just encourage you this morning to see how you can get involved in first Saturday serve. Look, it will change your life as you serve other people. You will be so blessed. You'll be so blessed. So today... We are continuing our series. It's complicated. Pastor Ben kicked this uh, series off for us a couple weeks ago and talked about, he, he talked about five lies. If y'all remember, not five guys, but five lies. Uh, we talked about that. Talked about the single life. And today I, I had a couple of options. On one hand, I could talk about marriage or I could talk about the topic that I'm bringing today. I chose to not go with marriage because I've only been married for like, six, seven months, and I don't even have that right yet, so I'm still, I didn't know if I could give y'all that, some advice on that today, so I'm going a different direction, uh, but I did find a really funny joke in, when I was thinking about the marriage thing, and I'm going to tell it to you anyways, even though my message isn't about that today, um, so there was a guy, and he was talking to his wife, and he's like, hey, you know, I, I've had something on my mind, and I just wanted to ask you, when I die one day, and you're, you're still going to be alive, but I'm going to pass away um, would, would you get married again if I died? And she said, well, why are you even thinking about that? Don't, don't ask me that. Um, I, I don't even want to think about that. He said, no, no, I just really, really want to know, would you get married again? And she said, well, you know, I, you know, I don't like being alone, so if you died and you were out of the picture, then maybe so, probably. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, if you married him, would you let him move into our house? And she said, what, don't even go there. Don't want to talk about that. Come on, just answer. Well, yeah, there's no sense in selling the house and getting a new house. Yeah, he'll, he'll, you're going to let him sleep in my bed? And she said, well, there's no sense, you know, selling the bed and getting a new bed. Why would I get a new bed? Yeah, probably. Okay, well, you're going to let him drive my truck. She said, I don't know why you're even talking about this, but probably so. He'll probably drive your truck. There's no sense in us buying a new truck. And all that whole deal, he'll probably drive your truck. You gonna let him use my golf clubs? She said, no, he's left-handed. <laughs> Somebody already in mind, right? <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was good, too good to pass up. So anyways, um, today I'm gonna be talking to you about something you probably didn't think about whenever um, you consider relationships, but the three main reasons for divorce are incompatibility, infidelity, and money issues. So today I'm going to be bringing a topic to uh, a message to you around the topic of money issues. And some of y'all are already starting to check out on me like, I don't need this guy telling me what to do with my money, right? So I'm not going to do that today. 
Uh, I promise I won't do that. But here is, I want to make a deal with you, okay? Here's what I'd like to ask. Just don't put up any walls and hear me out. Just listen to what I got to say. And at the end of the message, if you don't like it, it won't hurt my feelings at all. You can just toss it out the window, okay? It really won't bother me. Um, but I will say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Come back next week. We'll talk to you about something different. Maybe you'll like that one a little bit better, okay? So um, today I'm going to be giving you the secret of how to live a peaceful life because it can get complicated when we start talking about money and money issues. Am I right? It can get complicated. It can be difficult. But our, our verse today is found in Haggai Uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, and it says, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. He says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. So God's saying, give careful thought to your ways. Think about what you're doing and the, and the, the things that you're doing, your actions, the way you're living your life. And I'd want to go a step further and say, especially if things in your life aren't going quite like you'd like for them to. Maybe it's time for us to re-examine our lives. And he goes on to say, you drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. And so what I think that's saying to us is, you know, you sow a lot, but you harvest little. That said that in the, the previous slide. You sow a lot, but you harvest very little. So what I think that's saying to us is some of us, we're working really hard. We're doing a lot of good things, but it feels like at the end of the day, we're not, we don't have a lot to show for it. Like, where's all my money at, right? I'm working hard, but I don't have anything to show for it. It's like I put my money in a purse with holes in it. I've heard the phrase, uh, you, you got holes in your pocket, right? Kind of the same analogy there. It's like, where's all my money going? I'm putting it in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. And so today, I want to just take us... Uh, to a place where we can just re-examine our lives, give careful thought to the way that we are living concerning this. Now, I just want to say that in the area of like money management, in most, uh, most marriages, most people, there's generally the kind of people who they don't want to think about it at all. They're like, I don't want to budget. I don't want to think about where my money's going. don't want to think about bills. And then there's the nerd person who's got all these spreadsheets and they got every single dime planned out for the whole month, right? So for me, I'm kind of that nerd, right? You can ask my wife. I get all excited and I love listening to like financial podcasts and I don't know. I'm just weird. I just like that. And so, it, but for me, that's something I'm naturally just very interested in is the topic of money management. I'm interested in it and it's something that um, honestly, uh, I'm, I'm naturally pretty good at it, but I can't really take credit for it because um, I would say that the reason I'm pretty good at it and so interested is because when I was very young, I'm blessed to have parents who taught me how to handle money the right way from a very young age. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Dave Ramsey. Maybe we got some Financial Peace University people up in here today, our small group that's going on this semester. But my parents, um, they put me on the Dave Ramsey plan for kids when we were like 10, 11 years old. And so this is the way it kind of looked was we had this chart up on the refrigerator. It had all these different chores, right? So like feed the dog, sweep the floors, take the trash out, do the dishes, whatever. And each chore was worth like 15 cents, give or take. Like my parents were ripping us off, right? So it's like 15 cents, give or take. And and we could check it off as we did it. And at the end of the week, we would add it all up and we'd get a paycheck, right? And it'd be like five bucks. 
And from a very young age of 10, 11 years old, my parents taught me, the principal Pastor Ben told us about several weeks back, of give, save, live. They said, all right, you might only have $5, but 10% we're going to give. That's like five cents. Um, uh, 10% of it we're going to save. And then the rest of it, you can do whatever you want with it, right? So you can, you can give it to, uh, I'm sorry, that was 50 cents. I was wrong on that. Um, I told you I was good at it, but not under pressure, right? Whatever. So the rest of it, you can take and you can do whatever you want with it. You can save it up for, you know, to do something bigger with it, or you can spend it on something dumb like candy. I always ended up saving it and doing something bigger with it. Um, and so anyway, so I was doing this from a very young age of this 10% giving, 10% saving, and then live with the rest of it, whatever I wanted to do. And so as a high school student, um, I remember I wasn't quite old enough to drive yet, but I even started working at a very young age. Like people, even before I could drive, people would bring me cars and I would detail their cars. I'd clean them inside and out, all that stuff. And, um, and so I was working and I was doing these same principles, give, save, live. And then once I got old enough to drive, I started pulling a lawnmower and going to cut grass and I would do little construction projects here and there, just whatever I could do to make money. So, I mean, really outside of chores, I've really been working since I was like 15 years old, actually making money. Um, where I was working outside of doing my parents' chores, right? And so this is, these are principles that I have um, been so blessed to have been taught at such a young age. And up until this point in my life, they have um, they've really helped me a lot. They've, I've been blessed because of them in this area in my life. You know, my parents, they taught me how to do things like save for gas and car insurance and all that at a young age. At 16 years old, they were teaching me that. And I mean, really, I have the work ethic that I do today because of my parents. So I can't take credit for any of that. I'm just very blessed to have known these principles at a young age and and then make a difference in my life. So I just want to say that if we get the area of money wrong in our lives, it will cause a lot of problems for us. It will wreak a lot of havoc in in our families, in our relationships. It'll cause a lot of problems for us. So whether you're single, whether you're married, have kids, don't have kids, if we get this wrong... It will wreak havoc in our life. And really, that's why Jesus talks about this topic so much in Scripture. And some, some statistics that I have for you right here is that Jesus talked about money twice as much as he did heaven and hell. That just really blew my mind when I saw that. The next one, it says 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus told have to do with possessions. That's like nearly half of the of the parables that Jesus told they had to do with parables. While there are over 500 verses about prayer and faith, think of how important prayer and faith are in our lives. There's like over 500. There are 2,000 verses about money and possessions in scripture. So this brings us to ask the question, why is money and possessions such a hot topic in the Bible? Like, why does Jesus talk about this so much? And some of you guys are saying, well, that's just because Jesus and the church, all they care about is our money, right? They just want our money. And I would say that that's not true at all. The reason is really just because it's a very spiritual topic. Like, maybe you've heard the phrase before, it's just business. Well, when it comes to this, it's not just business. It's spiritual. There's a lot of spiritual dynamics and a lot of spiritual principles that go into this. And that's why Jesus says one of the most powerful verses in Matthew chapter 6, where he says, For where your 
treasure is, there your heart will be also. And let me just stop there and say to you today that, that God doesn't want any more from you than your heart. That's all he wants is your heart. And I would even go further to say your, your family, your spouse, your children, they just want your heart. That's all they want. So the most important part is the heart. But can I tell you that the direction that this goes, our, our attitude, our, our thought process towards money, the way that this goes determines where our heart goes. Like there's this, if you could imagine with me, there's this nerve that goes from our heart to our pocketbook, right? Guys, that's why we get so mad when she goes and, and, and spends a lot of money at Target, right? Target, whatever you want to call it. She goes and spends all the money. And I'm not naive, and I, I, women aren't the only ones that spend money. Some of you guys like to spend way more money than your wife does, you know? You like to go to Bass Pro Shops, or do they even have Bass Pro Shops in Texas? Whatever, I don't know. I'm from Alabama, so I don't know. Go to all, spend money on a boat, new truck, whatever. And that's why we fuss so much about money is because there's this nerve that, that goes from our heart to our pocketbook. And it gets complicated around the topic of money. It gets complicated. So <clears throat> Reverend Billy Graham says this, if a person gets their attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of their life. That's really powerful there. That if we could just get that one part, and make a difference in every other area. So why is money so complicated? Because the answer is because it's spiritual. It's, it's way more spiritual than we realize. Um, and, and I would say this, if we will begin to look at our money as a spiritual thing rather than just a natural thing, rather than just a business transaction, then we will remove an area of complication from our life. And that's what I want for you today. I want you to be able to uh, get rid of some of that complication in your life. So um, I'll tell you, uh, I've never taught in a church setting about this topic before. And it's a little intense whenever you're talking about money, right? Because people don't play about their money. They get serious. So um, I'm going to be bringing a message to you about this this morning. But one of, I just want to say one thing that I love so much about City Hope Church is the way that Pastor Ben and his wife, um, Annalise, when they first planted this church, from the very first day of this church, they did a lot of hard work initially to be sure that we, that we put this church in a posture and we lead this posture in a financial way so that we never have to stand up here asking you to give, needing you to give. Like, we never have to pressure anybody to give. That's not what we do. We don't ever want anyone to give because of pressure or compulsion we never have to stand up here and ask to give because of the way that Pastor Ben intentionally leads this church. And that's a blessing. And so maybe you've heard Pastor Ben say before, we move at the speed of your generosity. And so I just want to say and celebrate the fact that you guys are a very generous church because if you look around at this building here that's newly renovated that we've been so blessed to be in, we were able to get into this building 100% debt-free because you are such a generous church. To God be all, yeah, give God praise. To God be the glory for that. So you are a generous church. Um, and so I just want everyone to be able to, if you will, I mean, just take a deep breath. Come on, let's take a breath and let it out. Because at the end of this, there's not going to be any kind of campaign. There's not going to be some kind of fundraiser. We don't do that stuff. In fact, like, I'm, I'm not talking to you about this for the church's benefit. 
I'm talking about this topic today for your, for your benefit. And because these principles that I'm going to be sharing with you are found in Scripture. And it will bless your life for you to learn this and for you to apply it in your life. So we, we don't need to give this talk per se, but I need to give it because I want you to be blessed. So in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. So the scripture lets us know there's two choices here, right? There's God or mammon. You can't serve them both. So the word mammon is a, uh, what this word is, it's a big, there's a big theological word to describe what it is. It's a transliteration. So basically what it is, the Bible, the original word for mammon, there wasn't an English word for it, right? And so that's what they call a transliteration in theology. But in Greek, the word mammon is mammonus. Mammonus, that's the Greek original word here. And so this word means the Syrian god of riches. And this comes from Babylon. And Babylon means sown in confusion. So mammon is literally the Syrian god of riches that is sown in confusion. This is a spirit that's connected to money if we, allow, if we give it power in our life. It's not just connected to money, but it can, it can cause division. It can cause problems concerning financial things in our life. And for a lot of us, this spirit is active in our life, and it wants to destroy your family, it wants to destroy your relationship, and it wants to destroy your finances. And today, I want to be able to call that out so that you can be free and so that you can have the blessing of God in your life. So Pastor Ben shared this with us that I'm about to tell you several months back, but it just fits so perfectly here. I wanted to share it again. There's a book called The Day America Told the Truth. And in this book, they asked, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? And the results blew my mind. 25% of people would abandon their entire family for $10 million. 23% said they'd become a prostitute for a day or more. 16% said they'd give up their American citizenship. 10% said they'd withhold a testimony, letting a murderer go totally free. This is where it gets tricky. 7% said they would kill a stranger. Like, just kill a stranger with $10 million. I started doing the math on, like, how many people are here. Just saying, y'all might want to watch your back, okay? <laughs> So 3% said they would give their child up for adoption. Some of y'all are like, I'll do that for free. Just take my kid. I will pay you. I need a break. That's why y'all are paying babysitters, right? Just take my kid. But now I'm being funny there. But on a serious note, that's kind of disturbing. What people say they will be willing to do for money. And it's disturbing to see how money has lied to so many people and caused so much confusion for them. And so today, I'm bringing this talk to you because I want that confusion out of your life. I want that confusion out of your marriage, out of your family, out of your finances. I want you to have peace in your life, and I want you to have the blessing of God in your life and in your finances. So 
Before I give you this truth this morning, I just want to expose some of the lies around this topic that a lot of people believe. And I'm going to give you three lies about money that a lot of people believe. And if you want to, in your worship guide, there's a place uh, where where you can take notes. I have to take uh, responsibility. I totally forgot to send in my notes on time to be able to get you guys the blanks that you normally are able to fill in. But uh, we have some blank notes there for you so that you can just jot these down as we go. But the first lie is that people believe is that having more money will make me more secure. So there's this saying that you may have heard before, and it's, it's called, I'm, gonna, I'm working hard so that I can become financially secure, right? I'm becoming financially secure, and I just want to say that there is no such thing. There's no such thing as becoming financially secure. Ask Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was the guy who founded Apple. I'm preaching from one of his products today. Most of us probably have one in our pocket this morning, right? Um, I don't know what his net worth was, but I knew that he had a lot of money. And Steve Jobs, when he reflected on his life, he said, you know, I had all this money, all these possessions. If I would have known that it was going to end this early, basically he got a a disease fairly early in his life, ended up passing away. But he said, if I would have known it was going to end like this, I would have lived my life differently. And then he said, I would have managed my money differently. I would have handled my money differently. And Proverbs really talks about this in chapter 18. It says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. A lot of people think that their wealth and that their rich is like a a fortified city. It protects them. It keeps them safe. Nothing can touch them. Nothing can harm them because of their money. And they imagine it. Notice the word imagine because it's not real. It doesn't really exist. They imagine it as a wall too high to scale. So they think their money protects them and keeps them safe and nobody can get past it. So there was a guy who told me a story recently. There were these guys who were doing, they were hunting illegally and um, they got caught. And they were giving them a ticket and it was actually a federal offense what they did, but they were going to give them a break and give um, give them a state ticket. And they got an attitude and was like, oh, we don't care. We got, we're rich. We got a lot of money. We just pay for it, we'll, and we'll do it again. We don't care. And he said, okay, well, I'll call the federal uh, guys to get down here because it's actually a, uh, a federal offense, so I'm going to call them down here and let them take care of it. And he was like, okay. So um, that just goes to show that your money can't protect you. Like, there's always something else that could happen. Your money can't keep you safe. But a lot of people believe that their money can keep them safe. And I would just say, if you have this mindset that your money will protect you, that your money keeps you safe, that you're, you're actually doing what the spirit of mammon would have you do. You're grabbing on for protection. You're grabbing for protection for, onto something that doesn't exist. It's not there. It can't help you. Your wealth can't protect you. The second lie is that the things that I own define who I am. A lot of people have believed this lie. They think my possessions, my wealth, that determines who I am. Like if I can get more money, people will like me more. People will listen to me more if I can have more money or more things. And I'll have more influence. But Jesus really tells us the opposite of this mindset in Luke chapter 12. He tells us, he says, beware, guard against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. And so many times we think, like, I, got, I just need to have that truck or that house or this much money, and then I can be happy. 
But Jesus says the opposite. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. So I just want to say today that money cannot make you happy. Ecclesiastes tells us that those who love money will never have enough. How absurd is it to think that wealth brings true happiness? Our money can't bring happiness. And in fact, you want to know who the, the truly happy people are? I'll tell you, it's not the richest people. It, Romans tells us who it is. Happy are those whose sins are forgiven. That's us, everybody. Our sins have been forgiven. We're happy. Not, not the richest people, not the most wealthy, but those whose sins have been forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is a person whom the Lord does not consider guilty. I'm happy because God has forgiven me of a debt that money could never pay off of my sins. That's something to give God praise for. Happy are those people. Yeah, give God praise for that. He set us free from our sins. Those are the happy ones. So the third lie is this, that my stuff belongs to me. Man, this one, this one hit me hard. My stuff belongs to me. A lot of us have believed the lie that my stuff is mine. We're taught this from an early age. One of the first words that kids say is mine. That's mine, right? That's mine. Give it to me. That's mine. We learned that from a young age. But the thing I've learned recently is that my stuff is not really my stuff. It's all God's. I'm just a steward of that stuff. So like my family, my house, my cars, every 100%, every penny in my bank account, it belongs to God. I'm a steward of it, though. I'm a steward. And that's an old English word that means a manager. And we have to have the right mindset about our stuff. That put, and, and in fact, that puts a little bit more pressure on us to manage our money and our stuff a whole lot better. Because if it's just mine, I might not take quite... You can ask my wife. I'll put it like this. You can ask my wife. This is a growth area for me. If I'm here at the church, I'm... A whole lot, uh, I'm, I'm going to be like, let's make sure that we put stuff where we got it so that it'll be found the next time. Make sure the floors are clean, chairs are straight. Make sure things are done in excellence because this church is not my church. This is God's church. And so we need to make sure that it's done in excellence. But if you go in my bedroom, I bet you my dirty clothes are on the floor. I may have left a dirty dish on the coffee table. And so it puts a lot more pressure on me to manage stuff well when it's God's and when it's not mine. And so we have to view our stuff as though it's God's. And I like to look at it like this. So all of it is God's, right? But he lets me take care of my needs with it. He lets me even take care of some of my wants with it. He lets me help those who are in need with it. But I have to steward it well. And here's the, here's the thing is that if we'll be faithful with the little bit that we have, God will be able to trust us to manage more of it. That's, that's why the scripture says, if you'll be faithful in the little things, you'll be made ruler over great things. Same thing like with your job. Like if you're doing a really good job at work and your boss notices that, they're gonna be like, that guy is doing awesome. Let's give him a promotion. I wanna trust him with more responsibility. And it's the same thing. But if you're not gonna be faithful with the little bit, then why would God give you more? And so... This, this is the principle that we have to live by, and we have to have the right mindset in our life that my stuff doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And I've noticed in my life that once I had that mindset shift, it's a whole lot easier for me to be generous. Because when I see someone in need, if it's all mine and I'm trying to hoard it up, it's more difficult for me to want to help somebody in need. But when I realize it's God's money, and when I bless them and make a difference and when I help that person in need, God's just going to trust me with some more. 
it's a whole lot easier to be generous. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven on earth is not mine. It's yours. Everything in heaven on, on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor, they don't come from how hard I work, the sweat of my brow. Wealth and honor, they come from you, God. You are the ruler of all things, and in your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. So wealth and honor don't come from us. It doesn't come from your job. It doesn't come from your boss. It comes from God, and we have to realize that. This mindset changes everything for us. And so today, I just want to help you get the confusion concerning this topic out of your life. So um, Pastor Chris Hodges, he's a pastor over at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. He teaches 12 principles to get the Spirit of God on your life. And today, I'm just going to be, I'm going to use one principle from Pastor Chris that's so good, and I'm going to talk about that today. And this is the principle of tithing. And really what the principle of tithing is, is that we, it's just that we give God the first. And this is found in Leviticus chapter 27. It says, a tenth of all you produce is the Lord's, and it is holy. And let me just stop here and say that if this offends you, that I'm, I'm sorry to offend you. Um, but we really want you to be a part of the vision that God has for this church and for City Hope, and I really want you to have the blessing of God on your life, and we get that by following his principles. But if you choose not to, that's okay too. So I'm not gonna be mad at you. I'm not gonna be upset with you. Um, so please don't be offended as I'm talking about this. And, I, and I'm really saying today that this church is set up in a way that we, don't, we really don't need you to give today. We really don't. Um, I'm only talking about this because I want, I want you to get this confusion out of your life I want you to experience the blessing and the fruit of God in your life. And, and honestly, I'm sharing this message from a place of experience. Like, I'm not just telling you this stuff to try to talk you into something. Like, I'm sharing this from experience. I've really seen this in my life. So in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees, and you have not kept them. And God says, so return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And he says, but you ask, how are we to return, God? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and in offerings. And he says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And then he says, so bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he says, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing on you that you won't even have room to store it. And so back in this verse, it says, he says, you're robbing me of tithes and offerings. And he says, because of this, you're under a curse. Your whole nation is under a curse because you're robbing me. And sometimes in our life, we think, man, why is nothing's working out for me? Man, I must be cursed. I must be cursed by God. But y'all, according to scriptures, like, 
we're cursing ourselves by not following God's principles. We curse our own lives when we don't follow God's principles. And so, and he says, so bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And I want to point out that word storehouse because storehouse indicates that there's not just enough to meet the need, but there's enough to put it up for a rainy day, that there's enough to save it. He said, so that there will be food in my house. And so that, that's supposed to be that way so that when the snowpocalypse happens, we're able to help people who are in need. We're able to buy sleeping bags and we're able to buy cots and we're able to, to buy food and coffee and, and be able to run this building so that people can come here and get warm and safe so that we can keep making a difference in other nations and sharing the love of Jesus and taking the gospel to all the corners of the world. That's why there's supposed to be some in the storehouse. And he goes on and he says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields. They will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Then all the nations will, cause, will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. So he says, when you begin to follow these principles, everybody's gonna call you blessed because everybody's gonna see like, man, what are you doing that's working out so well for you? Like all your neighbors and people that live down on the cul-de-sac, they're going to be like, what is that guy doing? Well, following God's principles, right? So three things real quick that people always say about tithing. The first one is they always ask, well, isn't tithing an Old Testament law? Yes, it is an Old Testament law. So in the Old Testament, they had to tithe. But in the New Testament, we don't have to tithe, but we get to tithe. So... It's not something we have to do. It's something that we get to do to make a difference. But I also want to say that the principle of tithing predates the law. So this is before the law. A lot of people say, well, when Jesus came, you know, we ain't got to follow the law anymore because I have a relationship with Jesus. But I just want to stop there and say that, well, I hear what you're saying, but the law also says thou shalt not murder. So we can't be like I'm in the New Testament mad at him. <laughs> like, can't do that, right? So I'm just saying, can't throw everything out just because it's in the law, okay? But this principle predates the law. Um, and so I, I just have to say that I've decided that I'm going to live this way, this principle. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we see this, and I'm going to live my life this way, I do, is in the beginning God. That's why we do it. In the beginning God. Like God was first. This is the first four words of the Bible. So in every area of my life, I'm going to put God in the beginning. The first part of my year, I'm going to put God. 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm putting God first. The first part of my week, I'm going to put God. Good job, by the way. Y'all did that today. I'm putting God. The first of my day, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to give God time. The first part of my day. Not all day, not necessarily on and on and on. You can do that if you want to, but God first. And this principle of God first is a great way to live our lives. And we actually also see this in Exodus. It, we see this principle in the first of the Ten Commandments when he says, you shall have no other gods before me. He has to be in first place. If God is not first on your list, he is not on your list. Because he has to be first. That's the order that God works. So please hear my heart today. I'm not saying don't have a nice vehicle or don't have a nice house or to not buy that purse you want or those shoes that you want. I'm not saying that. Have that stuff, but don't let that stuff have you. 
Like, it's, it's okay for you to have nice things, but just be sure that you have God first and then the nice things. Just be sure that the order in which you're doing it is right. So this principle is that tithing communicates that God is first. And that's really all tithing does, is it communicates that, God, I'm putting you first. And by doing this, we get the blessing of God. And in Deuteronomy chapter 14, it says, it tells us the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. That's all there is to it. So the next thing about tithing that people always say is, I can't afford to tithe. Have you seen my budget? I can't afford to tithe. And I would say, yeah, you probably can't until you choose to do it. And that's one of those things that really don't make a lot of sense until you do it. That's why in the scriptures, Jesus said, God said, test me in this and see if I won't bless you. That's why he said, test me. So, and, and I'll be honest, sometimes tithing can be scary because I don't know what the rest of the month looks like. I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know what's going to come up. So tithing can be scary, but tithing is a test of our faith. And as Christians, we're not called to live predictable lives. We're called to live lives of faith. And so maybe we need to start trusting God in some areas of our life and letting him stretch us so that we can grow into the people he's called us to be. And I'll just say that when you do this, and I'm not just speaking, I'm speaking from experience, like really, when you do this, you will see that God will bless you. I'd say it like this, you will live better off of a blessed 90% than you will a cursed 100%. And that's just the truth. So tithing is a test of our faith. Third thing that people always say is that the church doesn't need my money. And I would say you're partially correct there because you heard me say that, that Pastor Ben has led this church intentionally in such a way that we don't need you to give today. And that's true. But Pastor Ben has so much vision, and Annalise, they have so much vision that God has given them for what this place is going to do. So much that God wants us to do. So many more people to reach. So many more campuses to plant in the future one day. So many more people to share the gospel with. and Nations to make a difference in overseas. More churches to plant. There's so much to do. So while we may not need you to give to be able to meet like the bills and stuff, we know what we would do if you did. And I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I'm sorry if this is too much for you today. You probably didn't come to church planning to hear about this. So I'm sorry if this is too much for you. But can I just say, can I just ask, will you let our pastor lead us in a way that there will be food in this house and that there will be food in the storehouse so that, hear me out, so that when the snowpocalypse happens, so that when... Some natural disaster takes place somewhere. We won't have to come take an offering. We'll just send the resources to make a difference and be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. And here's our promise to you is that if you do that, that's what we'll do. We're going to go to the need and we're going to make a difference. You've seen what kind of church this is. We did this. We just did this through the snow, the, the snowstorm. That's the kind of church we are is we want to make a difference in this world. We want to help those who are in need, those who are hurting. And here's, that's our promise to you is that we're going to keep on making a difference through First Saturday Serves. We're going we're to keep helping those who are in need and those who are poor 
We're gonna keep giving to those that are in, that are in need and that are hurting. We're gonna keep planting life-giving churches all across this nation so the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forth and so that people can hear the name of Jesus. We're gonna keep giving to translate the Bible into languages the Bible has yet to be translated in so people can hear the name Jesus. These are things that we're doing and we're gonna continue to do this. This is our promise to you that we will fulfill God's vision for this church. We will. If you would just bow your heads and let me pray for you today. God, I just thank you so much today for your word. Lord, even though it challenges us in our lives sometimes, Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for the blessing that you have for us when we follow your principles and when we live the way you, you teach us to. So God, I just pray right now that you would speak to every person what they need to hear for the stage of life that they're in. God, they would hear exactly what they need today from you. So right now, I just wanna ask you a question and that's simply, what's God saying to you right now? What's he putting on your heart this morning? Maybe he's telling you it's time to take a next step. Maybe he's saying, trust me. Trust me, follow my principles. See if I won't bless you. Trust me, test me. Maybe that's what he's saying. I know in 2020, um, at the beginning of 2020, before everything happened, God told me my word for that year was trust. And that really came in handy. So just lean into whatever it is that you feel God's saying to you right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Caleb, I, that sounds good, everything you're talking about, but I really don't even know Jesus. I don't really even have much of a relationship with him. And maybe I should start there. And I just want to say that the whole reason that we give is because he first gave to us. God gave everything he had and he sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Something that money could never do for us. So if you're here today and you just feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit on your heart, drawing you into a relationship with him, I wanna encourage you to lean into that. And right now with, our, with heads still bowed, I'm not gonna call anybody out. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here or to stand up. But if that's you today and you say, I, I need to ask Jesus in my life, or maybe I need to get, there's some, I, I veered off the path and I need to get back on track. I need to recommit my life to Jesus. If that's you today on the count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. If that's you today, one, two, three, put your hands up. Thank you, I see you. Thank you, thank you. Hands everywhere this morning. Thank you. I see you. I'm proud of you. Anyone else? Wow, this is powerful. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I just want to lead us all in this prayer together today. You may not have raised your hand this morning, but if you'll pray this prayer and you mean it from your heart, God will do the work in your heart. So pray this with me. Let's, let's pray this boldly. Dear Jesus, I come before you and I confess I need you in my life. I give my life to you. I surrender. All I am is yours. Please forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. And with your help, I will follow you the best I know how. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise in this place.
That's powerful. There were, I didn't even get a good count, but there were hands all over this room this morning. And I'm so proud of you. And-